Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, friends. I am so grateful you're here with us today for the Fully Restored podcast. Before we jump into my interview with today's guest, I wanted to let you know that today's topic of discussion is a difficult one and a topic that is best listened to away from children's ears. These interviews in the series are powerful, transparent, and real, but also give so much hope for someone who's been abused. Please be mindful of your own triggers and know we are discussing these things to bring them to the light of Jesus and to help women find their own healing and hope. Thanks, friends. And now to my interview. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. I'm excited today to be joined by Tanya Glansman, who happens to be my first guest. Tanya and I are both contributing authors to the She Writes for Him Stories of Resilient Faith book, and I knew I just had to have her come on my new show. She also has a newly released book, My Father's Daughter, which is about a topic that I'm passionate about, healing from abuse. Both of us have different stories of abuse, but interestingly, we're both now licensed professional counselors helping women who have been abused, who have also written books on healing from abuse. So welcome to my podcast, Tanya. Aw, Kristen, thank you so much. I am so honored and privileged to be here today. It is a joy to have you with me. Before I have you jump in and tell me just a little bit about yourself, I have a couple of fun facts that you shared with me. You ran a marathon once, but you haven't since. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't. I have not run at all since that. 26.2 miles of sadness in my life, but I have the medal to prove that I I did it once. Well, girl, that is quite an achievement there because that is not something I think I would be able to do. So well done on that one. And also you love Amish country and become absolutely giddy at a buggy sighting. I do. My publisher is actually located in Berlin, Ohio, which is right smack dab Mm -hmm. in the middle of Amish country. And every time I get to go and visit, I go absolute tourist. Just the food and the, I don't know, the unique beauty of the simplicity of the life that the Amish have chosen to live really, I don't know, it blesses me. And I I have always delighted in that culture. Yes, me too. And my husband and I, we are new to Kentucky. We moved here in March of this year, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And we saw some things here as we've been driving. And we did see one 
buggy and I was very excited. So was my husband. He wanted me to take a picture and I said, I don't think they want us to take their picture. So we just kept going, but it was something that brought us a lot of enjoyment and we're excited to be going out and exploring some more. So Tanya, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do in your family? I am, as you stated, a licensed professional counselor. I work with a variety of populations. However, I specialize in women's trauma recovery. My heart is that every woman would know that no matter what has happened to them or what they have done as a result, that they are able to experience the fullness of wholeness and healing that Christ died for them to have. I am a, I guess I'm not a fairly recent empty nester anymore. I want to say I'm a fairly recent empty nester, but the truth is my children both flew the coop about two and a half years ago to start their own journeys with their college education. I have a 22-year-old daughter who is studying to become an ASL interpreter for the deaf, and I have a 19-year-old son who just got engaged two weeks ago, and he is studying business and marketing at Longwood University. I have a husband that I've been married to for 24 years this September, and I hate snow. <laughs> what, what else did you want? <laughs> That's great. You know, I, you said something that really stood out to me, which I feel is a great way for us to kind of go into your story. You said that it is important to help individuals that find healing for what was done to them, but also what they did themselves. Because you and I both know, working with individuals who experience trauma and abuse, that often we do unhealthy behaviors in an attempt to cope with what happened to us or going extreme unhealthy way because of lifestyle, just because we don't know what to do. And so, Tanya, would you share with us the story of your childhood? Yes. So my mother was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And when I was two years old, she walked in and discovered my birth father molesting me. She put a gun to his head and told him to leave and never return. And that is the last that I ever saw of my birth father. My mother, who had been an abuse survivor herself, had developed a whole list of her own unhealthy coping mechanisms. And when you are the daughter of someone who is unhealthy, then that often introduces into your life a lot of unhealthy things as well. I always say that my mother was looking for love in all the wrong places, and that included men and substance abuse and religion, in fact. And as a result of her seeking out things to try to help her feel better, I was neglected and abused and not cared for to the extent that I was exposed to a tremendous amount of unsafe, unhealthy, abusive situations. In fact, between the ages of two and 14 and a half, I was sexually molested by seven different men and tangled into all of the sexual abuse. Certainly there were varying degrees of verbal abuse, mental abuse, and spiritual abuse. When my mother 
kind of came to the end of herself. She handed me off to my grandfather and abandoned me. And my grandfather was the very same man that had molested my mother when she was a little girl. And at this point, I was 10 years old. My mother gave me to my grandparents and left the country, who got remarried and left the country and eventually had another little girl. My grandfather continued to molest me for four years. He always told me, if you tell, I will die and it will be all your fault, amongst the many things that he told me. And when I was 14 and a half, I did come forth and share that he was molesting me. And he did indeed take his life seven days later. As a result of the abuse that I endured, I had a lot of unhealthy coping skills to try to contend with and manage the abundance of turmoil within my soul. I was bulimic. I started engaging in disordered eating behavior my seventh grade year of middle school and continued that behavior into my early 20s when I was pregnant even into the pregnancy with my second child. I was a cutter. I utilized self-harm. Because of what I was exposed to in my abuse with my grandfather, part of that abuse was pornography. And so I struggled with an addiction to pornography and masturbation as a result of what had been forced upon me within the content of the abuse that I endured. I tried to kill myself several times. I was diagnosed with a personality disorder and was told that I would never even be able to be healed, but that for all the days of my life, I would contend with the after effects of the abuse that I had been victimized by. Wow, what a story of, well, it's a true story of everything you experienced. I'm thinking of the listeners, as you talked about the things that the behaviors that you got into because of what you were exposed to. And often, we don't talk about that stuff. We don't talk about that publicly about the cutting or the eating disorder or you becoming addicted to pornography because of what you were exposed to and the masturbation and the things like that. But that is real life. That is what happens to those that have experienced abuse, especially sexual abuse, because that's what we're specifically talking about. So in all that, there's a question I have for you. When was your fully restored moment? When was that? Because that's a question I ask everyone that are guests on the Fully Restored podcast. When was that moment where you found hope in the middle of darkness, where light pierced through and the light of Jesus, and you began that journey of healing? How did that happen for you? I was told that as a result of the extensive and traumatic sexual abuse that I had experienced, some of it ritualistic by nature and pretty severe and profound that I should not try to become pregnant based on the damage that had been done to my body. I was told that it would not be safe for me to try to carry a child, that it could put both the child and myself at risk. And so despite that, from the doctors, my husband and I did decide to proceed once we were married to try to conceive and have children. That was super important to me. 
And we did indeed conceive. You know, I talked about when you heard me speak recently that the very thing that you pray for can cause your heart to rejoice and feel overwhelmed all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I realized that when I had that baby in my belly that I had longed for desperately, that I as well at the same time became overwhelmed with the fear of being the exact kind of mama that I had had. And, and I didn't want that. I wanted my children to have more and better and different than what I had experienced. And I knew just based on my interactions with the mental health field and, and with what the world had to offer that I could not find help from them. And so I turned to the Lord and I got on my face and I cried out to him, really just desperate for something different, desperate for change. And I would say that was the beginning of my journey with Jesus, the one I'm still on. I began to search out his word to discover what he said about who I was and who he wanted to be in my life. And to begin to know him as a good, good father, to begin to engage in a deeper level of intimacy and relationship with him where trust and faith could begin to be cultivated within my own heart, leading me to believe that through him and through the truth of his word, I could have and be something different from that that I came from. Hmm. Wow. There's a lot that I'm thinking about right now. One of the things that you said, which I find is um, very interesting, a little side note is for myself, because I wasn't raised in the church. I think three months after I became a Christian, I was still a drug addict and I got pregnant with my daughter. And so it was a similar but different encounter. That was the moment that I made that decision that I was going to trust Jesus. And I was going to trust him with my life. I was going to trust him to heal me and restore me and walk me through it all. And those encounters with Jesus are the life-changing moments where we begin to say, okay, I'm going to trust you in the middle of all this pain. I'm going to trust you. And it sounds like that was your experience as well. And then you talked about God being a good, good father. And that's a song for those that are Christians in the church. We often sing this worship song, you're a good, good father. However, for somebody who comes from abuse that happens within the family system, that is a really hard one to swallow at times when you haven't had that deep healing, where that you talked about trust and faith cultivating in your heart. But for the women who maybe aren't at that place right now, or maybe they're on the verge of that, or, or, or they're like, yeah, I can trust God, but only to so much. What was that transition like for you? What was it where you began to trust God, even though you had been hurt by family members, and God is looked at as our father. Could you talk about that? Well, I would say that I probably did not have the traditional dilemma as you're describing because my birth father had left my life when I was two. And then my mother just kind of ran through men the way I run through Ziploc bags. And every man that came into our life was there for a brief window of time, but then 
as quick as they were there, they were gone and there was a new man. And so I never truly developed a father relationship with anyone Mm -hmm. along the way. I didn't really have any idea. I certainly had never bonded with any man in the way that a daughter would bond with a father. And I think because of that, the trauma that would be related to the betrayal of a true father figure, I did not experience that the same way as someone who was bonded to their father in that way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And so you were able to embrace God as a father. It was more about trusting God in general and having faith and trusting him with your life. Was that more that the whole transition of coming into your faith with God? I think it was learning that he was a father and and then learning what does that even mean? What does a good father look like? What? Because I'd never experienced that. I'd never bonded with a father. In a way for me, I think it might have been easier because I didn't have anything in my life that even resembled that. I had not bonded with all of the men that my mother had brought into our life that had abused me. None of them, even my grandfather, who my mother gave me to when I was 10, I was already so abused and traumatized. And then he just continued that abuse. So I never truly bonded to him or attached in that way. Mm -hmm. And so it was a new concept. And I think an exciting concept for me to now learn that there was someone who, first of all, did not love me or desire a relationship with me because of what he could get from me. And that had been my experience with men all along was that they were nice to me because they wanted to hurt me. They were nice to me because they wanted to use me or abuse me or sell me or for their own good and benefit. That's why they were kind to me. But the concept of there being someone who just loved me, who loved me first Mm -hmm. before I could do anything or give anything or be anything for them in a way that would benefit them. That was an exciting concept for me to try to fathom and really to recognize that there had been no human being on this earth that had offered me hope that I could be different than what I was. And so as I grew up, my whole life, I was called ugly, you know, that had been my nickname. So when I woke up in the morning, it was good morning, ugly. And when I got home, it was, Hey, ugly. And when I went to bed, it was good night, ugly. And I truly had been groomed to be abused mentally and emotionally broken down so that I struggled with a lot of fear and a lack of self-esteem so that I was easily taken advantage of. And to then learn that God's word said something very different from what I had been offered my whole life. God's word said that I was beautiful and chosen in his masterpiece, that he had my name tattooed on the palm of his hand and that he knew how many hairs were on my head and that he had set me apart for great and mighty things. And that was very different than what I had been told. The majority of my childhood was that I would only ever be good for the very thing I was being used as. There just was so much difference for me that I I liked it and I wanted it and I longed for it. Yes. Love. 
pure love. And that pure love transforms us when we embrace that. And it sounds like God really came in as he has to do with all of us who experience abuse to come in and change our way of thinking and understanding of love, because that is one of the side effects of the spiritual effects of us when we've been abused is a distortion of love. And God, it sounds like what a beautiful story of how God came in and transformed your concept of love. And that was the foundation for me is learning how much God loved me. Because if I didn't believe he loved me, how could I believe that he would bring healing into my life? Or if I didn't believe that he loved me, how could I believe in forgiveness? How could I hope that he would be faithful to continue the good work that he began in me if I first did not believe that foundational truth that he loved me? Because the word tells us in First John, perfect love casts out all fear. So once I knew that he loved me, it didn't matter what I had done or what had happened to me or any of the facts that the world laid before me regarding the amount of traumatic abuse that I had been through or who my mother was or what she had done. None of that mattered. All that mattered was now I had a father who loved me and that love made all things moving forward possible. Absolutely. So in the last few minutes that we have here, I'm thinking of the woman who's listening today, who's struggled with abuse and they're on their journey of healing or maybe they're just beginning. Could you, as one who's walked that road of a victim to healing, to survivor, to thriver, and now as one who's found her true identity through God, could you share what two to three tips with them to help them on their journey? Sure. The first thing I would say is there is no greater tool to facilitate healing in your life than knowing the truth of God's word. And when I talk to my clients about the importance of this, I call it biblical brainwashing because most of us who have been abused on any level, we have been from the time we were very small, we have been offered lies that have been planted into our hearts, into the soil of our heart. And we're told in Proverbs to guard our heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. But when we're little, we don't have the ability to distinguish the lies from the truth. We just trust the people doing the planting. So whatever we're told, we accept and we believe because we don't know any different. But now as an adult, as the grown up you, you now have the ability to look at the truth of God's word and compare anything that lives in your heart and line it up and decide, does this line up with what God would say? about me as his daughter. And if it does not line up, it is your job to throw it out and replace it with the truth of his word. That's number one, nothing more valuable or more important, nothing more true. Second of all, I would encourage our listeners to only say about themselves what God says about them. I think that the step after receiving and believing the lies that have been planted in our hearts is that we began to talk and speak words of death and not life over ourselves. In fact, we end up often aiding the enemy of our soul in validating the lies that he wants us to believe through our very own lips. And so it's important to, even if it causes you to say nothing for a while, as you learn to embrace the truths of what God says about you, stopping speaking words of death over yourself and instead replacing them 
with the truth that God would say over you. And lastly, I would encourage our listeners to run to the Father and not away from Him. I think often shame and guilt and condemnation that the enemy wants to wrap us up in like a burrito, it binds us and confines us and keeps us from running boldly to the throne of God's grace to find help in our time of need. Because we begin to believe lies about who God is and how much he loves us and the grace and mercy and understanding that he has for us, especially as survivors of abuse, knowing that he understands why we struggle in the places that we struggle. And his heart is not that we would have to get ourselves all cleaned up and fixed before we run to him, but that it's only in his presence, sitting in his lap and being held tight by him, that we have the ability to get better. Because if we could make ourselves all better, we'd already be all better. But it's in his presence, surrounded by his love, that we're able to sit and rest and receive the healing that he has for us. Amen. Those are three powerful tips. So in that last, we just have a minute or two left here. Tell us about your book, how people can connect with you online and purchase your book. So my book is on Amazon. My father's daughter, just type in Tanya Glansman and it'll pop right up. You can also purchase that at JPV Press. We would love to connect with you on our Facebook page, My Father's Daughter. You could find us at our website, myfathersdaughter.com. And we also have a weekly podcast titled, you guessed it, My Father's Daughter. So there's a theme. (laughs) And we can be found at any of those places and would love to connect with your listeners. Could you, in the last moment that we have here, could you pray to close out our time together? Absolutely. Father, I thank you that you are a good, good father. I thank you, Lord, for each and every woman listening. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you open up the eyes and the ears of their heart to hear and take away the very thing that you desire for them to take away from our time together. I thank you, Lord, that you long to be the healer and the redeemer and the restorer of their lives, that you draw near to the brokenhearted and bind up all their wounds. And I thank you, Father, that in each of our lives, you are so very faithful to continue the good work that you have begun in us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Tanya. It has been a joy and a pleasure to have you here talking about something that is hard to talk about. And so I appreciate your willingness to be used by God to minister to women who have experienced abuse. Just so you know, our show notes and all of our links that Tanya shared with us today can be found at my website, podcast.fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We would appreciate if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And I would love to stay connected with you. So be sure to find me on Instagram at author Kristen Klaus or on my Facebook page at author Kristen Klaus. Again, thank you, Tanya, for joining us today. I hope all of you have enjoyed this episode of Fully Restored Podcast. And remember, friend, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with Jesus.